Hey, uh, I'm here with Evan Wade. He, are you at now a corporation since you have three different companies or an Inc? What, what's, yeah. What, um, what is that? So, yeah, so Epic Lending is a wholly owned subsidiary of um, Epic Financial Group Incorporated. So that is a Delaware C-Corp, and we, you know, had a, obviously had to do that, and I structured it from the beginning that way because, you know, I knew I'd be probably raising capital at some point and all that for the, the technology. So all of the Epic companies are wholly owned subsidiaries of uh, Epic Financial Group. Okay. All right. And uh, the first one that you did was the lending company. Do you want to sort of tell the people um, your background about how you got into mortgage lending, maybe even prior to mortgage lending, if that wasn't your first job? And Yeah. So I started out in uh, banking and finance, actually working for a bank, like an actual depository bank. I got hired um, when I was 19 as a part-time seasonal teller <laughs> at what was then uh, Commerce Bank. I uh, just wanted a good job to put on my resume. You know, I was planning on going to uh, college that fall, and, you know, I just saw everybody around me just work restaurant jobs and all that, which, you know, in hindsight, working in a restaurant was really a lot of what gave me my hustle that I have today. So, you know, some of my favorite, you know, recruits are people that, you know, bartenders, cooks, or, you know, whatever that that are, uh, you know, used to that really fast-paced and, and high-pressure environment. So, um, you know, I got that job at, uh, at what was then Commerce Bank, and they were being acquired by TD Bank, which pretty much anybody on the East Coast uh, is probably familiar with that, uh, with that bank. And they're in the same family as TD Ameritrade, but they're a top 10 bank uh, in, the, in the U.S. And uh, I started there, and, you know, really for me, it's, you know, I've always been raised as someone who should work hard and really put effort in and, and exceed expectations all the time. So um, I was lucky enough to have a manager who recognized that, um, and he quickly promoted me to a customer service rep. Um, which was on the other side of the house, um, you know, helping people, obviously, you know, open checking accounts, savings accounts, and all, you know, provide that kind of uh, banking advice. And um, TD Bank had the genius idea of, this was in 2009, to, uh, when the first refi boom was starting after the financial crisis, was they were like, okay, we don't have enough loan officers, so why don't we just have all of these customer service reps just take mortgage applications, and we'll try to figure it out. <laughs> and it was a complete disaster, um, you know, because obviously every, you know, anybody in the mortgage business knows that, um, you know, there's nothing really easy about mortgages, uh, so to speak. So, um, it's a full-time job. Exactly, exactly. So, and for me, like, I can, I'm not a natural salesperson at all. I don't have that gift of gab. I'm not a bullshitter, small talker, all that. So the only way that I can be good at selling something is knowing the product better than everybody else. Um, so I just did my research on my own. They gave you one day training class to, to basically teach you how to take an application through mortgage bots, like online you know, POS thing that they had. And um, then they, uh, you know, told, taught us the difference between a conventional FHA, VA, and USDA loan. And they were like, "All right, was you, that you know, pre? Was that pre? I know you were at a bank, so you didn't have to take the federal exam. But was that pre-federal exam time period? It was right when it was rolling out. So because okay. I think the Safe Act was passed in like in 2010, was it? 
Yeah, right around there. Yeah, so I got, you know, obviously got the NMLS ID when that all came out and all that in 2011, 2012, whatever it was. Did you um, have to take the safe test no, and everything? No, no, I didn't have to take the test at that point. You basically just, uh, on, on like the federal side of the NMLS website, you just like, you still had to fill out like all the form. You had to go get the fingerprints done at field print and all that. So you still have your NMLS ID, all that. You just didn't have to go through the, the class and testing requirements because they assumed that the bank did all of that <laughs> but they Big really assumption. Did. i mean they didn't for mortgage specific but we did have you know annual training as far as aml aml bsa uh you know ethics classes all that you know basically all the same stuff that uh you know we is the majority of the of the mortgage test but it, you know it's not proctored it's not you know you could get it wrong a hundred <laughs> times and just go back and and all that so even when yeah. you pass the safe test you're still going to get it wrong exactly yeah so. so um but yeah so for the first i guess five six years of me doing mortgages I didn't, you know, I didn't, hadn't taken the, the, the test or, or You or didn't class. know mortgages. <laughs> I did not. Well, I, it, had I not done the research on my own, I would have had no idea what I was doing. So That's I wild. Mean, so you took the application and then I'm guessing just hit a button and that was your your that was it for you? That is what they wanted it to be. And that was the way the majority of the bank operated. But for me, I couldn't consciously do that if I didn't know what I was talking about. So uh, they didn't really tell you. They didn't even tell you where to go to find the, more, the guidelines. And we didn't, we didn't, it was, they just had the bank guidelines, like we didn't even, and I didn't even know much about like Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac and, and all that. Um, they all, but they had all of their own guidelines written out. They were basically in spirit to, to you know, what Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac's guidelines were and all well, that. And but they didn't even tell you where to find them. But it was 2010, so the internet sucked. Yeah, well, it so. was like a really, it was a, we had like a really crappy internet, but like to, that had all the, all the resources and all that. But I found like the mortgage section. I'm like, oh, oh, here are the guidelines. And they actually did publish them on the internet. So what I did was I literally read it cover to cover. Okay. That's I, it. Like I want to learn about all of this stuff. And I, I'm 100% self-taught, uh, you know, in the, in the beginning. And um, we didn't get access to an LOS either. We just took the application. That was it. That's so wild. So when I figured out how to, you know, then be able to structure a loan, we took consumer lending classes too. So I already knew what an LTV was, DTI, all, all of that. I understood the base, you know, the five C's of lending, all that. I understood all of that stuff. Um, but they didn't give you the resources to be able to actually structure loans and all that. So I was calculating DTIs by hand. The only way I could get the credit report was because you put the social security number like in the beginning of the application and all that, and it pulled it behind the scenes. And then you could show the borrower all of the listings of the liabilities and make sure it's all accurate, the ones you can admit because, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah. And then I would be able to, you know, backtrack that in the application, obviously on the 1003 and all that. So I would manually add up every single liability or like subtract them out or not. like I, I basically just did it on essentially pen and paper and a calculator on my computer because I had no other way of structuring a loan. I can honestly sit in front of you and say I would not have been a loan officer at that time. <laughs> That's the thing. Because, uh, you know, lending always fascinated me, um, you know, from the very beginning. So, uh, you know, I did interview for a, you know, MLO position at the bank, and I met with the sales manager, and he was he, he talked me out of it. And he was like... This company won't support you, blah blah blah, and it's kind of true. Like you were out, it used to be that you would have like a, a group of branches that you that you worked with, and if somebody referred a mortgage or whatever, you 
you got referrals from the branch. But since we were able to take the applications in the store, we weren't compensated on it, but we would get a lot of points toward our sales goal. And that goes back to the whole, you know, work smarter, not harder kind of thing. I figured that, I'm like, ooh, I have about a $250,000, they call it SR uh, revenue, sales revenue is what they called it. And they gave me, if I did a HELOC or a mortgage, they're gonna give me 45 VIPs on, the, on that toward my sales goal. I'm like, okay, so I need to do like two or three mortgages a quarter and meet my sales goal? Well, then I don't have to worry about you know, the whole thing, you know, with Wells Fargo and all that, you open the savings account you don't need, you know, <laughs> do you want to apply for a credit card, you know, all this stuff. I didn't have to do any of that because I just met my sales goal with, with mortgages. And that ultimately helped me get promoted in the bank too. So I worked my way up to um, an assistant manager uh, there. And, uh, you know, then I, then I led, you know, a team of 18 people and, and uh, was responsible. I basically managed the branch, essentially. I had a uh, you know branch manager that was nearing retirement and all that, so she was kind of more of a like a mentor than anything else. Like but a she, Michael Scott. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. So I kind of wish I had that sense of humor. She had that sense of humor though, but <laughs> but she was cool and uh, she kind of let me do my thing and all that, and I was responsible for you know about eighteen people or so. Um, and then I just quit on a whim. I was tired of it. You know, I wanted to get in the back office. I hated you know six years of working in a bank ban branch is brutal. You know, and as a system manager, you know, you got people, got, you know, I have $300 in overdraft fees and you got to have that conversation and you can't refund them all and all that. And it's like, it, it just wears on you at the end of the day. So um, I got frustrated because I, you know, I kept applying for positions, applying for positions in the back office and all over the place too, wealth management, uh, you know, back office lending positions, all that. I even interviewed for that, like the regional uh, regional consumer lender, so then I could, you know, coach all the people in, in in a particular region on lending. Didn't get that job, so I was like, you know what, screw this, and um, I just quit. I didn't have a job lined up or anything. <laughs> so, so where did you land? <laughs> I uh, was driving Uber for a little bit. Uh, this for was a few in months. 2016, then. This would have been yeah, uh, 2014. Uh, Black Friday was my last day at the bank, uh, okay. so I didn't have a job for about. Three they months or so, and then I, I assume they were closed. Did they know? Did they get your email? Because it was Black Friday. <laughs> Sorry. Actually, no. This bank was open seven days a week in long hours. So <laughs> yeah, that would have <laughs> sucked. So we were open on Black Friday. I think we might have had shortened hours, but that was about it. Uh, yeah, no, I was working, uh, and I worked that day. I worked Black Friday. That was actually my last day. Uh, but, yeah, I would have uh, quit if I had to work on Black Friday too. I think GameStop was the last so one. When I started there, that's a national holiday. <laughs> when I started there, they only had four holidays that they were closed. They were open 361 days a year: Christmas, Thanksgiving, uh, Labor Day, and uh, Memorial Day. Or no, they didn't celebrate Easter. Easter, we were closed. Okay. I think that was it. Okay. I don't even remember now. It's been eight years now. That's fair. It's crazy. That's <laughs> fair. Time flies. It was a stepping stone. Uh, exactly, exactly. So, so you started Ubering. I was Ubering, to, you know, the paid bills, all that. I was applying for jobs, and I got a uh, job as, like, an account manager for a company called Corporation Service Company, or CSC. Their bread and butter is registered, a registered agent services, so anybody that is licensed oh. in multiple states knows that you know yes. when you foreign qualify you need that that address so they are like the number two i think company that that provides that they've been around since like 1900 or whatever um 
doing God's work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I did that. So they did other services in terms of like, you know, annual report filing and all that kind of stuff that, you know, in, in all the states that you're, that you're qualified in. So like, again, it goes back to like the work smarter, not harder kind of thing. I figured out ways to search all the databases of in the states and like Delaware or wherever else that they were registered. And if I saw that they were delinquent on their annual report filings, then I would call them and tell them, hey, you're delinquent instead of like trying to call them and just, you know, have nothing to talk about. So I crushed my sales goals doing that. But I found out really quickly that it was a very, very boring job. Um, and at the same time, uh, you know how Facebook has like those um, message requests or message requests now? Yes. It used to be called like the other folder. So you had all your regular messages, and then they had another folder that it it wasn't called it wasn't yeah. called message requests back then, and they didn't give you a notification when somebody sent that message. So I just happened to discover it, and um, I saw that a guy had messaged me about becoming a loan officer. Like this would have been in 2015. He sent the message in 2013. So what he what he was doing is he was typing he was going to NMLS Consumer Access, typing in the zip code, because you can search zip codes. That's brilliant. And every L well, it's literally the only smart thing this guy's ever done. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, so he was and he was just trying to cross reference people that already had NMLS IDs with Facebook and just sending people messages. So I finally got the message two years later, and I said you know I responded I said. Oh, that's awesome! You know, and I was still working at CSC. I was like, "Would you hire me part time?" And um, he said, "Sure." Um, and then, uh, you know, I I took the that was when I took the twenty hour class and uh, and then and then took the exam. And then when I got to the end of that, I was like, "You know what? There's no way I'm going to be successful at this part time." And I'm not enjoying this job at CSC, so I just quit. See, it, it was literally three months in. But it was awesome. Like it was a great company. I've I've met I met friends there that I still talk to to this day. Um, no, I'm starting to see and, a pattern here. Great so. companies. Evans quitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, TD was a good company too. Um, yeah, I, I, I have no. The thing about me too is I have no regrets. Like I've had bad jobs. Like my first restaurant job, the, my boss he was a complete scumbag. Um, but like the way I always framed it is that the bad experiences teach you, I think more than the good experiences do. Bad managers teach you more about how not to be. Bad bosses teach you how not to be. And then you know that you don't wanna be that kind of person when you do eventually get to that pos position of leadership, so to speak. So I always felt like I learned more from the bad people that I reported to than, than the good ones. The good ones were just inspiring to me, you know? Yeah. Like I was inspired obviously by a bad manager, but you don't you don't learn a ton from being inspired. It just fires you up, so to speak, to, yeah. want, to want to do better, want to be better, you know, that kind of thing. So um, 100%. that's the way I, I looked at it. So um, yeah, passed the test, passed the exam, worked for this manager for about, uh, he was, you know, my bad, ma really bad manager. And it was like my first taste of the way that the fat margin retail lending model worked. <laughs> and that was kind of the, you know, that wound up being the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Too, so was he that. a delegated um, or non-delegated? He They were a full delegated correspondent. It, it was actually cross-country mortgage at the time. Okay. Um, first, but um, then they switched to Hancock mortgage like two months after I started. 
which is a very small, also delegated correspondent. Um, but and at the time, cross country was a delegated correspondent. They didn't even have, they didn't even sell direct to Fannie and Freddie at that time. So that's how I learned. Like you know, I could kind of get that early experience of when you price something, all of the lenders that they work with showed up, and and all of that. Like you didn't choose what lender it went to, but for people who aren't into mortgages, delegated and non-delegated means you have your own in-house underwriting. And yeah. don't. So if you're delegated, you have your underwriters. They you employ them. They write to the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac guidelines, and then you sell the loans like off of your wireline. If they're non-delegated, you don't have your underwriting. You wholesale the loan. Somebody else has their underwriters, and you sell directly to them. So that's the difference. Yeah, and you just do basically disclosures and funding and all that isn't non-del. You're still basically a broker as a non-del in a way. It's a touchy subject, but you don't have authority. You hide your commission. Yeah. Exactly. That's, a, that's the only difference I see that I can see. If the guy who was trying to sell me on being non-delegated wasn't lying and there's not more money in it, the only difference I could see is that I don't that's, have to disclose my commissions. That's the problem is that, like, you know, obviously if you want to charge a higher margin, that's your that's your obligation. But then you start to get into things where where I don't like in this industry of where you're charging a higher margin on government loans and then charging less margin on conventional to be competitive. So you're li- you're subsidizing your 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 PL on the back Let's of Let's get better. into that, but after I finish your your background, because I am gonna ask you why <laughs> brokers are better. Because okay. I think uh I get a lot of answers and I, I would call them surface level answers like I mean, yeah, but delegated lenders can do that too. Yeah, so of course. Yeah. So so yeah, I started I, I worked for those two um those two small um uh delegated correspondent lenders and then I, I you know, I had a falling out with that manager at the end of the day. He's just he's just your let it out. He's your old What's his name? He's a nah, <laughs> that, that definitely you know, unfortunately you could probably I guess you could probably do the research and figure it out. No, uh, we're not now. I promise not. I won't. Well, the, the miss the listeners maybe. What's we'll the worst thing they, he did to you? <laughs> so for me the straw that broke the camel's back was I had a 100% disabled um, veteran uh, who I was doing a VA loan for and I already knew at that point that I wanted really wanted to dive into VA and I knew that it was an underserved community and, and, and all of that. And she had she, she wasn't in bad credit. It was like a 640 credit score or something like that. And I figured out through, you know, because I was already on Facebook networking with other loan officers and, and all of that, um, uh, that we were like, I think about a half a point higher in rate. So I knew that if I got like a three or, it was only like a three or $400 pricing exception or whatever, would get her knocked down like a quarter point or something like that. And he went into this whole spiel about like how rates work and all you know all that kind of like defense mechanism stuff of why you're you know to justify your your you know fat sell your service yeah all that all that stuff and I'm like this feels dirty you know and and at that time around that same time I um, you know we we uh, to backtrack a little bit when I when we switched from cross country to Hancock Mortgage there was a guy by the name of Chad who was only about, he was he was new at the time too. He had only been a loan officer for about two years or so and he's crushing it, already closing like 20, 25 million dollars a year. So, you know, I'm the kind of guy that like, I wanna pick the brain of people who are in a kind of a similar situation as me, that, that kind of thing and, and figure out, um, you know, how he does it. So he uh, invited me to this Facebook group 
and it was a bunch of it was a sales related Facebook group and all that and uh, that was like my first step of like being able to you know meet people that were like minded so to speak uh, and that's where I met some of the people that are like you know my best literally my best friends like outside of the mortgage business like you know Andres Munar you know, Chad Catani like who Chad now works for my company all of that so I met all these guys like you know six seven years ago now but way before I became a broker but uh, that kind of Meeting all of those people literally is what kept me in the business because I was struggling. You know, any loan, pretty much any new loan officer knows that. You know, what, getting your first loan. Do you remember how much volume you're doing there? Like for the first six, I with did, Hancock and Cross Country, I closed I think one loan in six months. Loans. Yeah, I remember. I struggled. Like uh, you would have been the fired. Only, yeah, the only way. Well, he wasn't paying me a draw, so uh, like I wasn't getting. Well, I think I might have been getting some kind of benefits or I don't I don't remember but That's it was it wasn't much but yeah I probably would have been fired pretty soon um but I wasn't definitely wasn't getting paid to draw um but uh that is surprising to hear knowing how successful you are today because it sort of goes against well it goes back. everything that you hear on YouTube about starting your own business and finding that a player yeah and so, not saying that you weren't but clearly something wasn't clicking if you were finding success of the other two people and then here you were not doing anything. For me, it was because it goes back to me not being that natural salesperson, and I'm an introvert too. I don't like talking to a lot of people. It drains me. Um, so that was my struggle. It's like, how can you be a, a a producing loan officer and not be miserable at the same time? And that's that's ultimately why I didn't originate for a very long time. You know, I only originated full time for about three years or so. Um, and then I, you know, I quickly, I was very good at it. You know, there's a lot of things that yeah. you're really good at, but don't necessarily like. There are parts about being a loan officer I love. Like, I love the, the puzzles of it, the problem solving, the, you know, making a deal work that, you know, some, another lender couldn't do or couldn't figure it out or it was an over, like, that fired me up. Like, but I'm a competitor. I love, I still do love to win and, and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, I, you know, but if you if you're not comfortable talking to a hundred people a day, and that's ultimately why I quit the CSC job too, because if you know you're just dialing, 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 not cold calling because they're already customers, but then you're basically cold selling with mortgages, basically one way or another. You got to get the referral sources, all of that, and I just didn't, it didn't, I didn't get the traction right away, but I started to after a while, uh, and part of that was because I did wind up. You know, after about six months, I left this manager and I started working for uh, Movement Mortgage, uh, and I had an awesome boss there. Again, got back to yeah. having like a, a really good manager, uh, Spiro. I still talk, I literally just talked to him last week. Um, great, great guy. They have um, an interesting model. Yeah, and it, it worked great for me because I had something real. I had a value proposition, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know, they were the ones that you know. I I always liken them to be the they're the UWM of the retail channel, basically. Higher priced, all that, but they did really take the service seriously, and everybody was held accountable to that. You know, mm -hmm. they want all those borrower conditions in within seven days. Like, you know, they don't. Yeah, it, it, and they literally compensate like the processors, underwriters, and, and all that on that. So it gave you know, and I I pulled a lot of those ideas from there too. Of you know, great processes and, and execution and all that. That's 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 what's really you know, important at the end of the day is providing that great customer experience. So that's what it, um, enabled me to have a platform 
to say that, you know, I have that USP, so mm -hmm. to speak, of, um, you know, we're going to, if you need to do a three-week contract, we can. And we're confident that we're going to be able to do that for you. Yeah. You know. It's everything. Yeah. You know. And we, we I've been working with the same realtors now for about a year, and my number one and number two realtor both in the same two-week period came to me finally and were like, are you sure we can do this in 15 days? I'm like, I promise. We can do it faster if we need to. Just tell your tell the borrower to buckle up. <laughs> there's a and there's so much power in that because there's still I mean the industry I think is still over forty days as an average mm -hmm. from it, application to, to closing or CTC or whatever it is. And Kylie's gonna listen to this and be mad at me, but we are about to go to telling people, hey, we want fifteen days unless they need to stay in the house thirty days because. It, it affects the entire pipeline when you have a loan that's 30 days and a loan that's 15. That's what, yeah, I agree with that because the biggest argument that I hear of the speed is that, oh, almost all the contractors are 30, 45, 60 days. Like, yeah, sure, that's, that's great and all, but like, think about the opportunity cost. You can crank out a loan, any loan, even if you have a 60, 60 day contract, you get it done in 15 days and you move on. Mm-hmm. You just gotta make sure it's locked long enough. <laughs> That's about it. And and, and like circle then you back just, to it when it's move, balancing. It's all it's all about the execute. You know, then you then you have that process where you can just keep cranking loans out, 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 and out. If you've got a, you know, if it takes you thirty days, you've got all these different loans in your pipeline. You're worried about them all at the same time. You want to be able to close those loans as fast as possible. And that's, then when, that's the goal. And then when the when you're used to doing them in that. Our, our average UWM says uh, 16 days, but when you have it and then you get somebody who's like, hey, can you do this for me in two weeks? And you're like, yes. The first thing the processor says is, well, now they got to jump the line when you do this. And it's like, eh, sort of. <laughs> she, Sorry, Kyler. I know. I know. We're working on it. <laughs> so, um, but but I, I think, you know, I we started the year at 19. She's down to 16. And I think that 14 to 10 days is more than doable i really oh, do yeah so for sure um with appraisal back that's that and that's what people that's where the her and i are talk, talking about right now is can we do it and get the appraisal backs you know and there's always going to be a situation where you're like hey we want to get the inspection before we have the appraisals and stuff but so um back to you though you went to movement mortgage yep left uh, movement mortgage and then yeah. you became a broker on your yes. own so movement was my last stop in in retail uh, worked there for about two years, a little over two years, um, and um, you know it was still itching at me. You know, I'm I'm an entrepreneur at heart. It's it's in my blood. Literally, both of my or my parents were small business owners. Uh, they just sold their business about two years ago, um, and my both of my grandfathers were small business owners as well. It's really all I know. Um, you know, growing up having parents of small business owners and how I got interested in, in banking and finance was my mom took me along with her to the bank to make the deposit because it was you know we got a bunch of checks every day. So like you know I think it was probably mainly for the lollipops at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know it, it, the the whole concept of a bank really just you know fascinated me and, and all that. So I, I think that's what led me to where where I am today. But uh, yeah, that entrepreneurial spirit has always been. You know, as, as soon as my parents taught me what the meaning of profit was at like eight years old, I'm like, this is awesome. So I was doing because right. I I, I uh, my first like you know business was. Um, 
uh, did a snack stand at the end of my my uh, parents' driveway. There was like a gravel pit at the end of the street. They were doing construction, so like just trying to get the you know the people in the dump trucks to stop and buy some lemonade and and snacks and all that. And uh, you know I wanted to sell it for cheaper than I was buying it for. <laughs> They're like, no, you need to you know you got to mark it up a little bit, you know that kind of thing. And that's what profit is. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So um, yeah, I got a five year old. I was teaching him. Um, the difference of goods and services on Saturday oh, when he was awesome. getting his hair cut. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that, those are the kind of things that, like, I think that is going to make a massive impact on him, you know, as as he grows up. If you, because I don't know, it, like, there are people obviously that come from, you know, you don't have to have parents that are entrepreneurial for you to become entrepreneurial, but like, I, I, I feel like sometimes the entrepreneurial spirit can be a, you know, it's a learned behavior that that comes from somebody else a lot of the times or you got to find somebody that is going to instill that in you like i don't know for me it's it's one of the i don't know if you're like born that way so to speak you know i think it's your the environmental because both of my parents had jobs and my mom really held held down the financial aspect for us growing up so it was like but she, she, even to this day, she's still employed at the same company. So it's sort of one of those things where it's like. So, uh, but as far as what for you is like, what what, what did they say you you should go out and, you know, follow no. in their footsteps or did no. they? No, really. <laughs> she when so when I started this company, I asked her if I should start a mortgage company, and she's like, "No, you make great money where you're at. Absolutely not." Her, my entire family was like. Stay W two G. This is dumb, <laughs> and that's what, and that's the problem. Is like you've got like, you know, people are listen, a lot of times people listen to that feedback, and and they because and I'm sure your mom didn't have like, oh no malice you know yeah, yeah no malice or anything but like you know when you when when people say things like that for somebody that does have that entrepreneurial spirit in them it's really discouraging because you feel like sometimes that they're telling you that you're not capable of doing it. I would argue that that was probably my gut reaction. Whether that's, I don't think that, and <laughs> yeah, I don't no, think that was that, your mom's intent by any means. But well, like, that's how it would. That's how people like us would receive. And it was sort like of weird because I'd already made up my mind, so I was just talking to her as more of an affirmation moment. But my wife had already given me permission. We were all ships sold. Like, I frankly had already quit my job when I asked. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> you know it was, but and then the affirmation didn't come and you're like huh sorry to tell you mom I actually just quit that job two weeks ago so see my parents were the opposite they were like are you they just said you know what they do what it's more my mom she's just like are you sure you know you know you know that kind of thing but she's like she's like but she was always they were you know both my parents like they were excited when like I told them that you know I was about to start my own business because you know it's at the end of the day I'm following in their their footsteps and and all of that. So um, I think they're excited you know, now. And, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it's hard not to be. Yeah, exactly. I always <laughs> they always ask how it's going. I'm like bills paid, we're growing. <laughs> so uh, we're we're not out of business three years in. So we're over the curb. Yeah, that's um, you know. So was 2018 Epoch Lending started? Uh, so actually, Epic <laughs> Lending. No, um, in February of 2018. We launched Philadelphia Mortgage Brokers with my partner uh, Paul Carson. Uh, that was my first company uh, as a as a broker. Um, that was that's so a sweet name. The way, yeah, 
So yeah, I'll get into that. So uh, basically, the whole thing started because you know, getting back to the whole entrepreneurial spirit thing, is you know, and I wanted, I already knew I wanted to be in technology too, and, and I had finally figured out because my, we don't even really need to get into that, but like my first like real like company that I registered an LLC and all that was a website hosting business. Um, I had met a guy in uh, who's also named Evan. Uh, out in uh, playing, uh, you know, online video games in the early 2000s. Um, and he, uh, him and I started a website hosting business together and he was like the server admin and all that and I was the business side. So, uh, and we did free website hosting, but we did uh, Google ads uh, that we displayed on, on all those websites. So every time somebody clicked on, so I was like, I'm like th 13, 14 years old at the time and we made like, Thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars in in revenue from displaying Google ads. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. You know, as a kid that's like just getting into high school, basically. How how um, old was your business partner? He was like two, three years older than me. Okay. He was still in high school as well. Or I was, yeah, I was like just. And you starting still went into me. banking? Yeah, because I didn't really focus on it. Like it was our okay. side hustle, like that kind of. And I was working in restaurants too at the time, also. So uh, that was like my first actual real job, other than helping my parents, was with their business was, you know, I started out as a dishwasher uh, yeah. when I was 14, as soon as you get working papers, working 70 hours, you know, obviously breaking the law, my <laughs> but like, oh, all these overtime checks, I'm like, st you know, stacking money in my bank account because I'm not spending any money back then either. Um, but um, yeah, so I knew I wanted to get into mortgage technology and uh, I felt like I couldn't do that working, you know, at a, at a you know, I needed to have a business and, and you know, ultimately have that use case, uh, you know, for beta testing and testing things and all that. So I uh, messaged my buddy, Paul Carson, who I met on Facebook, uh, you know, networking. He's local and uh, he lives in, uh, you know, the suburbs of Philadelphia. And I had just messaged him. And I'm like, you know, I was like, I've been thinking, and he worked for a different company. I, was like, I said, I've been thinking about um, opening my own mortgage broker, mortgage broker. And he was like, you know what? He was like, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> So we met up like the next week. This was in December of 2017. Uh, we met up the next week and we just like tried to find reasons not to do it and couldn't find them. And then we started like brainstorming on the name and, and all of that. And, and Paul came up with the name Philadelphia Mortgage Brokers. And I'm like, mm, I was like, that's first of all, it's like a really long name. And, and I, there's no way that ha name hasn't been taken at some point in the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah. Sure enough, I went on the, you know, uh, Secretary of State's website, you know, my background from CSC, I already know how to do all this stuff. Um, and I'm like, holy shit, this name has never been registered. And then I, th and then the light bulb hit me. <clears throat> it was, I'm like, this is literally what people type in Google. Mortgage brokers in Philadelphia, Philadelphia mortgage brokers, and it doesn't have to be in order. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, this is like an SEO gold mine right here. Just needed to make sure that we, you know, got a good website and all that. So we, you know, got our lead pop, lead pops website. And if you're in the mortgage business, <laughs> you need a lead pops website. Um, Was that around uh, in 2016? Yeah. So uh, I am one of lead pops first customers. They, okay. they, it's a long story when we don't need to get into their yeah. history, obviously you can, you can have Andrew on, he's another, would be another really good person for you to have as a guest. Um, but, uh, yeah, they were like a four or five person team at the time. Yeah. And all that they had, they, I first became a customer of theirs in late 2015 or early 2016, I think. 
and they only really did funnels at the time. So you could, you know, we learned how to do, we all learned how to do like Facebook ads, drive the traffic to these mortgage specific funnels that he built. And he built them for originally for Bankrate and Zillow. So mm-hmm. he had already tested it and had the people, you know, millions of people going through these funnels and all that. So then he was like, you know, why don't I serve these, you know, smaller companies and, and, and all of that. Uh, so yeah, we became a lead. I'm one of their first customers that are, that are you know, they're still, still paying today. Um, but uh, yeah, sure enough, <laughs> six, 12 months later, we start just getting leads. Yeah. And we don't spend any money on average. I mean, we did a little bit, but like, they're, they're what fair we did, price. We, yeah, and what we did, yeah, really cheap. And uh, yeah, I, I was, I did the math, and I think I said, I think I figured out that we have our Lead Pop subscription paid for like the next sixty years <laughs> <laughs> with the revenue we've directly generated from leads that converted. That we didn't like, it wasn't people sent to the website by somebody else. Like they Googled us. They saw, we also do focus a lot on our Google business page and we've got, I think almost hundred reviews now and all that. So we do, we put a, you know, we put effort into that. Uh, and then now we're starting to work on our own, you know, um, uh, unique content and spe- specific to our market and products and all of that. Um, but like little things like two or three K loans, Philadelphia, if you Google that anywhere in the country, we're going to be the, we're pretty much the first result mm-hmm. and we just get two or three K leads like one a week. <laughs> <laughs> but like really any, any we get a bunch of different leads and and, and all that and and uh uh but yeah it just wound up being that um that name was genius of hmm. going with philadelphia mortgage brokers so i guess back to my history um you know i i for about um i guess about six months in of philadelphia mortgage brokers um was the arrive project was being announced by uh by anthony casa and he asked me to uh basically help consult and make sure because they were you know he was still garden state home loans at the time and they were consumer direct shop you know operated things very differently so he wanted to make sure that he had somebody there to um and he knew my technology background somebody there to make sure that the user experience for the one the three man referral based shop was going to be taken care of when when the platform was being built. So I very briefly helped them at the very beginning of the project. Um, I don't want to plug Arrive on this yeah. because I don't need them to grow. <laughs> they need to stay broker friendly. I, you know, I don't They're the know. best loan origination software. It's unbelievable. It's night and day different. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild to me that Encompass has as many customers as it has, knowing how much better Arrive is. Yeah, and I guess the one benefit to us as being brokers is that they don't offer anything for, you know, they go up the non-delegated correspondent and that's it. There's no features in there for, I just you know, being that an it actual. stays that way. It is. Yeah, I don't know if they have a design. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I do want them to get to a point where they're like a really, really profitable company and, and, and all that. And unfortunately, enterprise contracts might be the way to get there. Um, but I don't, you know, hopefully they find another way and, and, and all that because, yeah, it's... I think that that I think arrive is our secret weapon as brokers nowadays, um, especially you know. for recruiting. Exactly, you, you show somebody who's on Encompass arrive, and they're like, "What you do got, you mean I can do this so, from my phone?" Exactly. So you've got that for like current loan officers, and then training new to the business people. You know, part of onboarding people is you got to teach them how to use the LOS, mm-hmm. where to find everything, blah blah. You know, because the user experience design it's so bad. 
that you don't know. It's not, it's not intuitive. You got to go over here. You got to open this one. Remember when you, you used to have to log back into the website on Freddie Mac, the back end to run findings? Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's yep. like a whole day's worth of training, and then they never remembered the codes. Exactly. So as a, a wild... <laughs> yeah, so I mean, Riot, like they really focus on that user, and it just makes sense. You just go tap, 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 and you go through the whole thing, and it, you don't have... You don't really have to train them on the system. It's just that simple. Um, so we, because we don't really have to. Like it's just an overview of like what this is, where, it, and that's it. Um, and that's the way software should be. So are you with Philadelphia Mortgage Brokers still? at the time? I was, yeah. And what happened was is that when I was, you know, you know, uh, I saw the, the, you know, the arrive was actually happening, and I'm like, wow. I'm like, if they pull this off, I can build like. A national platform for mortgage brokers to be able to to plug in and and have great software and it kind of helps bridge that gap of you know at the time it was always about like everything being disconnected you got to download the 3.2 upload it and it's still that kind of that case um unless it you know it's an integrated lender that you're working with in arrive um but uh you know they, they you know when you have all you had to access to is point like it's really tough to have a competitive advantage over the retail lenders that were already starting to come out with great, you know, like blends of, of the world, like really good point of sale solutions out there. Like we were starting to get left behind on that. Mm -hmm. And and luckily, you know, Arrive came in and, and developed something that democratized technology for the little guy. Mm -hmm. And then we'll talk about, <laughs> you know, I'm sure later about what I'm planning on doing with yeah. Epic OS of, you know, uh, that is that is really what fires me up. Epic OS. No, just yes, but <laughs> <laughs> what fires me up is is helping give access to technology to the little guy. It shouldn't be that you have to be this massive company to get access to something like Blend. You know, because Blend, you no broker unless you're a really large broker can afford Blend as a POS. So luckily that just wound up being, you know, POS wound up being like kind of a dime a dozen kind of thing now. Everybody, mm -hmm. everybody has a different one and, and, and all of that. But, uh, but yeah, so that, that was my idea of starting Epic Lending, uh, which I did in, uh, we officially, we started doing business in March of 2019. Okay. Um, but I registered it. That's so three I, years. I did, the, I did like the- Add him to the list of people we're jealous of. <laughs> <laughs> That's three years. Yeah, I'm coming up on four. Yeah, okay. I guess, right? It, yes. That's bad math. No. 2019, 2020. Yes. Yes, bad math. That's why his company's better than mine. Math. I'm not uh, very good at math either. But I have, due to my teller background, my my, te my <laughs> 10 key speed is, is really dangerous. <laughs> so you're so at really, a, fast, really fast and good with the calculator. So in four years, you grew that company to 200 million in volume yeah, that is impressive what does that trajectory look like and i do have to ask why did you was there was it the split from philadelphia mortgage brokers so i never split i'm still a partner there as well um you own two mortgage companies mm -hmm. oh that's dope yep uh okay. so but super dope what i wound up doing you know it was twofold it's like you know if i you can't expand philadelphia mortgage brokers outside of the philadelphia metro area um you know, unless you do a DBA. Does, but, how many loan officers does Philadelphia Mortgage? I did not uh, Google those guys. You've got like six-ish. 
And are you just a, a non-producing? Yeah, yeah. I'm basically in uh, strategic strategic vision and 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 help with with stuff like that. Do you like those six say. loan officers versus your epic loan officers? Oh, yeah. Do you say hello to them I and do. stuff? That's so weird. So we use Slack. So you know, all of our companies. So we're always you know as far as communication goes, we're always in contact with each other. Philadelphia and Epic are no, they're not together, so to speak. I mean, a lot of them know each other. Why are you not? Why have you not merged those companies? Because, uh, you know, Philadelphia Mortgage Brokers, Paul and I are 50-50 partners, and I own, like, 96% of Epic Financial Group, which, you know, owns Epic Lending. So Paul's, he just has, he wants to be local. He wants to do, you know, he wants to do what I should have done, you know, stayed that local hyper, you know, focus on on an area, you know, that kind of thing. But I, I felt like at the time that I wanted to provide a platform, and I didn't know whether, like, a lot of people would adopt Arrive either mm-hmm. at the time so it's like why don't i get out on the you know be the, that the first early, version that, of rife sucked though. that was terrible it was horrible it, and it was kind of set up to fail from the beginning and we don't even need to get into that okay. but um <laughs> okay fair enough because we, we, we were the first brokers on Arrive, i did try it so. a year prior to it being what it is now and it was a it's lot very different. difficult to build a platform when you want to mash a bunch of different parts together and try to get them the you know, integrations are very difficult, especially when you're dealing with some software that isn't very good at talking to others and, and all of that. So that's basically how the original version of Arrive didn't wind up, you know, shaking out. Um, but luckily, we've got Harish and Al run, running the show and, you know, built built the whole platform, um, you know, from scratch and which which is which is, you know, that's that's what you really want to do is what, you know, we don't need to get too nerdy, but like, that's what I'm doing with Epic OS. Like you want to be able to control the entire platform and not have to be reliant on, you know, outside partners, so to speak. Just, it obviously costs more money and it's a lot more effort, but like, if you can control the whole platform, you can build it how you want it to be. Um, So. um, It's the reason our CRM is on Salesforce right now. I agree with you from a. Yeah, so I mean, Arrive was essentially built on Salesforce. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, so that was the center of truth for all the data. And they used Cloud Verga as the point of sale, you know, LOS and all that. And they just tried to get everything to to talk to each other. And it worked. Um, We were able to operate our business and all, but it it definitely wasn't what we were hoping it to be Mm -hmm. at the time. But any new software that you built, like, it's a journey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's. So, do you have a financial stake in Arrive or are you no. just their largest spokesman? Largest spokesman. I just, okay. be- I believe, it get really, that's why I said, like, what fires me up is democratizing technology for the little guy. Okay. So, yeah. So, let's talk the, about Epic yeah. OS then. Okay. Let's, let's go, because sh- I know that you, you know, are killing it with Epic Lending. Mm hmm. 200 million and 50 million, 100 million with Philadelphia Mortgage Brokers? Last year we did a little over 100 million, I think. Yeah. So, so 300 we, million in production? That's that's yeah, impressive. I think, we, I think we're close to 400 total. Okay. Yeah. I mean, those I are. I mean, impressive. we'll be way down this year, obviously, because we did, you know, we were always purchase focused, but, um, you know, obviously about 40% of our business was refi last year. So we'll be down. Both companies will be down in volume, but still do probably over 300. Hats off think. to you guys. There's, I mean, everyone's down um, that that had business to farm. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I haven't been is. focusing on recruiting either. So you know, the only way you do that, you know, you either got to get the people that 
already working for your company to produce more or you got to hire more people. And I just, I haven't been focused on, on recruiting at all. And I, honestly, I'd rather just refer them to other people in their market at this point. If, so, but if it's a great fit, like I still will, I'll still hire people and all that. But we're going to have a completely different vision of hiring, you know, people coming out of military service and, and all that training up and, and all of that because we still have, the, you know, veterans are still massively underserved at the end of the day. And we, I think it's going to take, you know, an army, uh, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended, <laughs> to, uh, you know, really help serve veterans better in terms of home ownership and, and all that. So, um, so yeah, Epic OS is, that's... Um, Do you want to say anything else about uh, your lending side? I know Epic OS is currently your main focus and why you're here today at AIM, you know, um, you know, but if you want to talk about lending, you can. Otherwise, we can talk into Epic OS and why you started and what you think it'll do for the broker community. Yeah, let's let's jump into that. Sort of trust you on technology. <laughs> You're one for one in my book. So, yeah. So, um, Epic OS is basically going to be a culmination of all of the pain I've been going through over the past, you know, coming up on five years in February of owning and operating a mortgage business on like the business side. Everything that doesn't really have to do with loans. So your accounting, your finance tools, your commission automation and calculation, uh, data visualization, performance metrics, all of that kind of stuff that you really need, you know, you need data and numbers and, you know, automation and all that to be able to really scale your business and there's no solutions for that in the broker channel at all. Yeah. It doesn't exist. You, you, we all basically operate on a hodgepodge of spreadsheets. QuickBooks and Excel. And, quick, and QuickBooks. Yeah, QuickBooks, Excel, or Google Sheets if you're a Google person, yeah. like we are. <laughs> it's a ter terrible decision. Yeah. So. I actually, I like Excel. One in one uh, now. <laughs> um, yeah, we do use, we use Excel and Microsoft as well. We're in the Microsoft for startups program, so. Um, you know, so we're for uh, for Epic OS. So okay, we're all in on on Microsoft for the, <laughs> for that at least. <laughs> You're good. You're good. I just uh, we we've had long discussions in our company about Google Sheets. So uh, I, I like it for when I have to share something faster. I don't like it when I actually need to program. It sells data. way better at the end of the day. Yeah, because you've got everything. You can actually program essentially. I guess with Visual Basic, I think. In, yeah. In Excel, right? With yeah. mac macros and all that. Yeah. I don't believe you can do a whole lot of that in Google Sheets, but Google Sheets is great for free, for freedom and being free exactly. and not paying. I think. Oh, I, pay I mean, you're still paying the. You know, if if you're on if you're in Google Workspace like we uh, like we are for email and all that, you know, you're just yeah. paying about the same as what you would with Microsoft. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I've never looked into their pricing. I have everything is in the Microsoft suite for me. So yes, and if you're familiar with micro, a lot of people are familiar with Microsoft. I always just found Google to be easier, like their admin panel. It's easier to add new users, all that. I, I've always found Microsoft to be a little clunkier. Um, you know, with that kind of stuff. See, that's how I but. feel about Gmail versus Outlook. No, I, it's always, so that's funny too because there's a, there are people that come to the company and they're like Google I don't want to use Google so they'll just I was like well you can still use Outlook <laughs> you can just select Gmail and then you log yeah. in with you know and you can still use Outlook and it's just Gmail powering it behind the scenes 
So some people do actually do that. The, in, the, in the, the way they filter their email, and I know you can switch the view on the, on there, but the way they the way that they were filtering their emails is why I never became an adopter. Yeah, of it. it's definitely, so. yeah. Um, I, what I like most, I am like the my email inbox, you know, for those who have like OCD, like would give people like a heart attack because I'm that like 30,000 email inbox person. I don't sort things right, but what I'm very good at is searching for things. So that is one thing that's uh, Outlook's gotten a lot better at that. Uh, but like Gmail, it works just like Google. You mm-hmm. search whatever you need, and it pops right up like you know instantly. So that's that's what I like about it because it really just comes from me being really unorganized. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. A lot of people like it, so maybe I'm wrong. You know, I just I think it's more of a preference at the end. Yeah. Of the day. It's similarly priced. They both have the pros and cons. You know, it, I, you're not going to go wrong with either one. So how do you do the accounting in Epoch OS? The accounting. So that we haven't launched yet. The only thing yeah. we're, we've soft launched so far, like we haven't even really like officially announced it yet, is the commission calculation part. Because that was like our biggest pain point. Like you can, we can stumble by on, on QuickBooks and all that for accounting. It does what it's supposed to. Um, but like... I basically had to hire somebody just to do payroll, almost. Or it was like, you know, a good portion of her job was just doing payroll, managing the spreadsheets for commission calculation, deducting the expenses, managing their draw, their, you know, their their, uh, recoverable draw, like calculating all, like, it was, just got really cumbersome. Plus, it is time, like, if you want to, you know, be able to put all that together and then send the commission report to the LO to make sure it looks accurate, all that. It just, it's too much. So, like, you know, I'm like, we got to build a system for this. So that was my original idea was, like, I just want to build a commission calculation software for mortgage brokers that, you know, we would use it ourselves, but I want to share it with the with the whole broker community. Um, and, um, you know, it's not, obviously not free, but <laughs> but I want to I, I want to be able to provide that software that that mortgage brokers can afford, and then over time I'm like, are you allowed to say how much of, it costs? Yeah, right so now? Uh, right now the regular pricing uh, is for the com- just the commission automation right now is a $500 setup fee and $199 a month. Okay. Right now there's no usage based pricing, no per user fees, anything like that. It's just that flat. Um, you know, uh, charge right now. Uh, as we roll out other modules, it's going to be like an a la carte kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because the one, the three-man shop is going to have no use for a commission calculation software yeah. at the end of the day. Um, so what are you, so are you targeting 5 to 10 or 10 to 20? I want to try to get every mortgage broker in there because, like, you know, obviously account, you know, you still need accounting even as a solo shop. <clears throat> so that's why I want to sell it in modules. So, like, you know, uh, that that solo shop might only need accounting. Yeah. They might not want all the data visualization, performance metrics. I think they should. I, th- I don't think it matters how big you are. You should know all your numbers. And that's everything. Credit pull-through rates. Uh, your, uh, with all your lenders, you know, UWM is really good at telling you what your average speed is, but none of the other lenders tell you that. I wish really. Arrive would tell me that. That would be yeah. sweet. Yeah. Well, Epic OS is going to do it. I'm sure Arrive will have better dashboards and include that so, all. So, so does that them. not scare you um, as the owner of Epic OS, knowing how good and like that Arrive will eventually do that? I can't. Because I can't speak for you know Arrive's roadmap. I yeah. but I don't see them getting into the business side of things. At least not 
they still have so much things that they can do on the loan origination yeah. side. No, to I've really, seen their roadmap. To really so. even elevate the, the origination experience anymore. Unless they hire an entire different team and invest in, like, it's a lot. Like, mm -hmm. building that commission calculation software was a big project. Because when you do things compliantly in the right way of, you know, calculate, and then, you know, having it so that it can be configurable to every business, you know, the performance-based tiers, you know, um, handling expenses, like, all, all of that kind of stuff. You can't just, like, build a platform and say, oh, this is a $300,000 loan and the loan officer is paid 1.25% or what, you know, 125 bips or whatever. Like, it's not that simple. It's yeah. a lot more complicated than that. So um, that was, um, you know, I don't see, at least in the near future, arrive getting into that. And I'd rather just partner with them and build a really robust integration between the two platforms and that way they can focus on integration i can focus on business side yeah. of it you know um because they're very good at or origination and that you know and there's so much that they, more that they can do like i said so Agreed. um you know the whole idea is is just basically to you know and it, it's really we could basically have an entire podcast <laughs> on on what epic os is intended to do but like you know the whole idea is that like the the, when that deposit hits your bank account, already knows what transaction it is. It's splitting out the revenue, credit report reimbursement for you. Uh, it'll have you know your PLs easily. You know you won't have to deal with the class accounting and QuickBooks where you get, you know that also doesn't have any kind of hierarchical you know um, uh, features in there in terms of like if you you know bring on a net branch. Mm -hmm. You can't have a net branch PL and then loan officers below it, I don't think. In I don't think QuickBooks has that. I'm not big enough to know that yeah. answer. <laughs> my account and also my accountant does the QuickBooks. So uh, uh, I just don't know that answer. The problem with QuickBooks is that it's great, but it's like built for it's built for businesses that, you know, do estimates and invoices and all that kind of stuff. We only use about like ten percent of what QuickBooks offers. Mm-hmm. And no, it's like Salesforce had like five different ways to categorize a customer. And I was like, no, 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 no. I just need their name, phone number, and email address. <laughs> this is too much. Exactly. And they're like, what? And I go, hide those other things. I don't want to see them. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, and then obviously QuickBooks doesn't talk to anything else other than your bank. Yeah. You can't in integrate QuickBooks with your loan data. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe you can do some stuff like with Zapier to like maybe create a customer or something like but you're not merging all of that data in one in one system that you can then use that data to have you know insights into the performance of your business on all aspects of it the profitability the performance of the company as a whole the loan off the individual loan officers all that you get you got to know your numbers numbers mm -hmm. are important numbers are the foundation for everything essentially so um, that's what the goal of Epic OS is to do. And then think things like too, like, you know, loans cleared to close, email, boom, goes right out to the title agent, tells them this is the breakdown of our broker compensation. There's also a button in there. They get logged into a secure portal. It gives a wire instructions to receive the compensation. It'll have a unique reference ID in there. So as soon as that wire hits, boom, it's for the John Smith loan and it merges it and takes it off the queue. You know it's funded. You know the the loan officer is now due to pay be paid commission on it. All of that. Um, it, you you said it is going to link to my bank account to see when that wire hits or it one. Yeah, hit. so we'll, we'll just integrate your with your bank through uh, through Plaid. 
Okay. So it'll download all your bank transactions once a day or whatever. Hmm. And then, you know, the idea is that all of that accounting is automated. So you don't have to manually go in and say, oh, you know, especially when you start doing, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 units a month and you hire, you have loan officers all throughout. No, it's the, very annoying. Right? And you have, long, and it gets even more complicated. Like if you're in one office and you have everybody works in that area, it's not so bad because you're like going to the closings, you can go to the bank, make a deposit or do do mobile deposit or whatever. But like when you have people spread all throughout the country, it starts to get, you know, a little complicated. I do um, wires on every, and they're like, do you pay the 20, 40? I was like, yeah, charge me what you want to charge me. Send the wire. I can't. So I, my ultimate vision with that is like, I actually want to do the bank, you know, cause you see the emergence of all these fin, uh, of FinTech banks out there. Mm -hmm. We can do that too. So like, I haven't even announced this yet. So you're, you're, you're this is the first like public. Hot take, <laughs> hit the button. <laughs> bow, bow, bow. This, this is the first time I've actually said this really publicly is that like imagine now I, you know, every time you stipe that debit card, I earn revenue. So since I'm earning revenue on there, you're already paying me to use the platform. Like I can just reimburse those fees to you that the title company just submit a submit a claim or whatever, or, you know, say and I'll just reimburse them to you once a month. So then I'll cover what the title company's charging you because I can. Yeah. You know, so then you can make everything wires. Who wants to deal with checks now? It's 2022. Come on. It's not like my teller was like, I, why do you not use the um, online banking snapshot? And I was like, I, no, I, I said, I have to come in and hand it to you. If I do the online banking and then I lose the check or you guys miss, I go, at least when I hand you the check, there's not a seven day wait period. I get my receipt. And oh, I'm yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, that's the difference is there's no seven day. When I snap the photo, you guys always make me wait seven oh, days. Oh, okay. And so with the wires, one, it hits instantly. Every, like the day it closes, by 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, I have my money. Yeah, and so we use a bank. Uh, well, it's not even a bank. It's a fin, one of those fintechs uh, mm -hmm. called Mercury. Uh, so they're only online. They're, they do, it is a bank behind the scenes. Uh, it's like a, they're called Evolve Bank and Trust. They're like some small community bank in Tennessee. Yeah. Um, and, but they have like a really, their online banking is unbelievable because again, they really focus on the user experience and design of a platform and it just makes sense. Um, unlike your legacy banking systems that just are terrible. They're slow. You can't find transactions easily, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, that, that they kind of helped me, you know, kind of like think of how things should be too. Of, of that banking and they do that, you know, they are, they don't charge incoming wire fees. They don't charge outgoing wire fees either. So I'm like, oh, these are, this is all really cool stuff. Like bank, uh, really like stuffy, you know, again, my banking background, like working for a brick and mortar bank, it's fee, 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 fee for this, fee for that, you know, that kind of thing, you know, banking doesn't need to be that way. Um, you know, if, if, if you build, if you build it the right way, essentially. So that's what, that's why we bank with Mercury and, and uh, luckily we, we really cut down on our fees when we when we switch to them. But um, so you think Epic OS will eventually be a bank? The bank for brokers. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we can't call ourselves a bank because we're not. A we won't have like the banking license and all that. But it's only it will have it. <laughs> Is that how much it costs? It's, I uh, spoke to uh, somebody who bought a bank in two thousand eight. He said he bought it for fourteen million. A small bank. Wow. Yeah. They're not as expensive. It's not like I guess buying a bank is probably easier than trying to start yeah. it up from you know from it, from the beginning or whatever. And but he crushes. I could probably do. I, I mean, I would be you know maybe like a credit union or something too if you want. But whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't. I, mean, I, don't we, think I just want to do the fintech thing and 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 yeah. You know, there's going to be a 
you will have it with a bank. It's FDIC insured. And I use simple but online bank. Yeah, so that's the that's the same concept. So simple, yeah. as far as I understand, simple isn't an actual bank. They're not. But they use their DBA. A, yeah, they do a. So what they have, it's called BAS. Banking mm. as a service. Okay. So you can go to these companies. There's a few of them out there that they are like the the middleman between a company that wants to provide banking services and the actual bank. I want to say they use Bank of America. If you're curious about, oh, like okay. a leg yeah. up. So you can do that. Like there, and you don't even need to use that banking of a service thing. Like I could go directly to a bank and say, Hey, I want to launch this. Can I use you as my deposit partner. That way it guarantees that everything's FDIC insured, all, all that kind of stuff. I can't remember why I stopped using them either. I'd have to ask my wife because we were really, I mean, we were we used them for about three years and then something happened where we needed to go, I think it was the ATM limits where I was uh, using cash more yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, for a short period of time and I was like, hey, we gotta go to a bank and I, I need to be able to get access to this cash, so. Yeah, or maybe, or if you're one of those people that are still you know, depositing cash, like you get tips or whatever, like obviously you can't really use yeah. online banks in, in that. So there is still obviously a place for those. Um, but you can do those through the banks. ATMs now too. You can deposit cash. Like even, like any ATM? Like, like Simple not... Simple allowed me to go to like, really? I think they were BPs or I okay. could go to an ATM and deposit my cash into an ATM oh, nice. okay. if I had to. And they had a list on their app that was, Far better than any app I've ever used before, and that's the thing. And too. it was like yeah. ten years ago too. And yeah, Simple was one of the first. I mean, I'm from, I I don't think I've ever got uh, yeah I've never tried them out or anything, but I've heard of them. They were definitely one of the first. Now they're kind of coming out everywhere, but it's cool that you can yeah. build you know banking into a platform that people are already kind of using it for that purpose anyway. Yeah, you know? and the same thing with payroll. Gusto has a um, hey, Christian, mute your mic. Is that you breathing heavy in that? I haven't even gotten close to it. You tell me. Maybe. Could have been me. Sorry. <laughs> this happened last time, too. Um, uh, banking, simple. Oh, yes. So, um, yeah. The, oh, the other thing, too, was, uh, you know, Gusto uh, is a payroll provider that I know a lot of brokers use. Um they have a like really they they call it embedded payroll. So I'll be able to even build payroll into Epic OS. Okay. So the whole idea is to try to keep you from having to log into this system, that system, that system. And that was what Arrive was designed to do on the origination side. That was the hardest well. part about getting brokering was getting a bank to agree to giving me a business account. If and that's the thing I'm talking to these banking and service companies. I'm like, you need to make sure that this banking partner is going to be okay with opening up accounts for mortgage brokerages because the issue is is that we are they classify this as a money service business. That's why the banks don't want to open account. It's a lot of people think it's like a competitor, like maybe it is, but when I worked for TD Bank, it was we don't deal with money service businesses and mortgage brokers were part of that. I don't know why. Hmm. There must be some way that somebody classified, you know, the NAICS or something like that. I don't know considers us to be a money service business and that's why they don't but we are yeah. money service business as in like um uh like atm operators and stuff oh. like like people who handle a lot of cash atm that's, operators want to be allowed to uh, a lot of banks exclude atm operators yeah hmm. because you're just handling large amount it's risk you know everything you look at you know you you got some You've got the counterfeit risk. You've got, um, you know, uh, 
robberies, all, all like all that kind of stuff. And obviously, then you're you're also doing CTRs every single time that they're 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 making deposits or withdrawals because they're over ten thousand dollars. So there's there's a lot of scrutiny there when you're dealing in large amounts of cash. So um, that's that is the way I always understood it from my bank background in banking is that's why mortgage brokers can't struggle to get bank, you know bank accounts at a lot of banks is for that reason. But not all banks obviously are that way. So is Epic OS the payroll part that's completed and ready to launch? Yes. Yeah, so anybody that has you know pretty much anybody that has more than five loan officers. I think it's incredibly useful for. What booth are you at? Uh, we are 110 right over by the headshot, headshot station. Okay. And then what is your full vision for Epic OS? Maybe not the comp the final form, but bank. Like how long do you think it takes for you to become a bank? Not I don't know I don't know if I have like the vision to like actually go out and get like the banking license and all that. <laughs> but uh you know, because I, I can just become that. Really, it's I don't have a desire to be a bank. To be the best. I just, yeah, sign up with that. Yeah, basically just need enough capital at the end of the day. Money, yeah. Got to have money sitting in the bank. They want to make sure that you have those reasons. Because obviously the bank is respond or we are respond Like, if there's a dispute on a debit card or there's a fraudulent check, like that kind of thing, you got to have reserves to, to, you know, handle that, that kind of stuff. So they want a pretty large amount of capital. Um, to do that. So once once I hit that, that's when we plan on uh, rolling that part out. Uh, oh, okay. For it. Yeah. Well, how much capital so do they want? They want like basically a million dollars just sitting in the bank. Okay. It's a lot of money. Yeah. And that's just sits aside. Like you can't, you're not dipping into that, all that. It's basically just, you know, essentially capital requirement. Yeah. Is what they want. I'm guessing it's not like when I became a broker, I'm like, ah, what type of laptop do you have? <laughs> No, they don't get into too much. They do get it. You know, they do really focus a ton, obviously, on the security, data security. You know, because you you yeah. got you know you've got to have the SOC two compliance and and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, there is a lot involved in that in that process to make sure that uh, you know the data is protected. So you got Epic OS, Epic Lending. You also own a title company. Yeah, not really focusing too much on that anymore. But, okay. But yeah, it, we're. And it looked like you were in like 38 states or something wild. Yeah, so we we were only directly licensed in about eight states or so, but okay. we we had a you know a partner um, you know that we did you know that was licensed in, you know all throughout the country that. that I could, thought it was uh, cool. I was like, that's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was great because I you know that was another deficiency I saw in the broker channel was you know really efficient title companies that also were really proactive with like virtual e you know run and you know closing mm -hmm. closing electronically with the lender the problem you know things i found out is that every state's a little bit different the only lender that's really doing it is uwm for the most part mm -hmm. um you know so just it's as much as i want it to be there it's really hard to some things are when you're dealing with all you know, outside parties and reliant on that, you can't really, you know, control it. It'd be it time much. consuming, especially doing 400 million in volume, starting a, an OA, an operating system. Yeah, so I, that, that was I, the I thing. Could, like, I, I can I imagine. Was, yeah, I was definitely spreading myself. And I've heard title there. companies are not super profitable. They can be. Okay. If done the right way. Um, and it also depends on the state. As okay. well, so like, luckily, we do most of the transactions in Pennsylvania, 
Pennsylvania, I think, has the highest title premiums in the entire country. But then you've got others where it's like almost nothing. So um, it really just depends. Florida Florida is another great state. Uh, you know, there's a few others. But um, yeah, for me, I was definitely spreading myself too thin. And, um, you know, I didn't really actually refine all of the ideas for Epic OS until earlier this year. Um, I had that light bulb moment of kind of connecting everything. Um, and I'm, you know, because we're using, we're doing all this manual accounting, and there's really no way to, for me to easily, you know, I can select a loan officer and easily see what their profitability is, can easily see what their credit pull through rate is to see if they're wasting money on credit reports and not closing any deals, you know, that kind of thing. Never had a way to track all that. So Epic OS is literally just like me thinking about. I really need to know all these numbers and I need to know like and I, I've always struggled to do that and I feel like it, it, it's obviously a disservice to me of being able to to operate a efficient and and profitable business and then of course I want to be able to share all that with the loan officer as well and that's really challenging to do as a broker when you don't have technology to help you do it mm -hmm. and you've got to just again you're using just different systems and spreadsheets and and all of that and it's time consuming there's no there's not a whole lot that you can automate with spreadsheets no it's the right technology and hardware is everything exactly to automation yeah and, so. and getting back to like we are building it from scratch it's not built on salesforce it's not built on microsoft dynamics or anything like that we build it from scratch, so I, we we have complete control over the system. Any tips for div, you know managing your time? It's technology. I yeah. mean, it's the only way that you know. I believe I don't. I don't. Obviously, technology I think should be used for good. It shouldn't replace humans, um, but it can amplify high performers to do even better work because you're not spending so much time doing manual tasks because computers can do it for you, software can do it for you. So now you can, now the really, the high performers can become even better um, at the end of the day because technology is augmenting, um, you know, what, uh, what they're already doing and not spending time. They get to spend, at the end of the day, like you gotta, you're, the goal is to generate revenue. Yeah. So anything that you aren't that you are spending time on that isn't revenue generating, whether you as the business owner are doing it or you're paying somebody to do it, um, you know, you could then turn your company into focusing more on everybody can be in business development, so to speak, one way or another, whether you're sales or not, because you've got technology handling all that manual work. Interesting. So. Um are you producing a loan officer? That is the one thing. <laughs> I don't think I could produce and do everything else that okay. I do. Uh, so no, I, I stopped producing when I started helping arrive. Okay. So I ha I'll do a loan here and there. Uh, I want to stay fresh on the guidelines like and, and all that and, and, and have that challenge. But, um, you know, maybe one or two loans a year basically is what I do. Um, but uh, yeah, I stopped originating a little over four years ago. Oh wow! Yeah, and I took it. You know, that's a that is when you do that. Like, you've you have to be willing to you know know that you're not gonna be making much money for a while. Like, every, 
you know, unless you build a really large mortgage brokerage or you can, you know, hire loan officers that you train from scratch and all, but it's always that challenge of like the loan officer at the end of the day gets the vast majority of the revenue on a on a transaction, mm -hmm. at least as a broker. So it's really hard to, you know, make a lot of money as a broker owner unless you grow, 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 um, <clears throat> you know. So um, why do you think brokers are better? At the end of the day, it's optionality. And, you know, you got, you know, obviously we most of the time have better pricing and that's, that's you know, important, but you have the opportunity to close the most, the most types of loans and you know it's just little things like overlays you know you're stuck at, at a retail lender if if you know they're not willing to underwrite that deal and you know you don't have the uh, they call it the ability to broker but even then like it, it it's a struggle sometimes to have that product option out so we have the ultimate product optionality we can get deals done that you can't do anywhere else so i, I plus you have the independence of the originator as well. Because the, the wholesale lenders are fighting for your business. You're not working for them. That's what I always so, talk to Christian about is from a from a loan officer standpoint, beyond a reasonable doubt, being a broker is better. And I, you can point to the paycheck and say, here you go. Look at it. You know, if it's, from the consumer standpoint, from the sales and having spent my first six years I always like I think there are plenty of good loan officers at Fairway that can get a lot of good things done. It's like oh yeah. Outside of pricing, you know, that's I agree with you on pricing. I know I'm cheaper cuz their margins are high right but now, there's but low, the, even but, even in their but even in their underwriting, like you know, their underwriting might be great, but there's going to be loans that they don't want to do. They might only go down to a 620 FICO score or 580 or what like, But don't you think we have those brokers that, that do that as well? Like that's where it's like uh, like I view some of my hardest competition, especially here in the upcoming years, isn't so much a Ruoff or an MJW. Like my competition is going to come from the broker up the road who's willing to make one bip, one and a half bips on a loan. We're, that, not, we're not anywhere near that, though. You don't think? No, because we still only have, what, 20, 25% market share? Yeah. As brokers? So, yeah, once we get to the point where we get back, you know, because I believe we're going to go back to 30, 40% is what the goal is, probably, right? Yeah, I think, I, but I think we eventually get back to 50 plus where we were. Um, if this market keeps continuing where we're going and mortgages are getting easier, not harder. Mm -hmm. So, and the information's out there, you yeah. know, so. Even, I even those loan officers who are in retail, they know. They act like they don't know, but they know who's making more money. And so that's why it's like... Mortgages are not easy, but they're also not as hard as, you know, they make it out. And, and I just don't understand, like, you know, you work for a really, really large retail shop and you've got, you know, three, four layers of management above you. Mm -hmm. How often do you talk to that three levels above you and how, do you really need a like a national sales director an area manager a divisional manager a branch manager and like all like I just don't I, I don't know where all of that why any of that makes sense it just I, no I, I, I talked to my national sales manager or regional like maybe f you know four or five times the entire time I was a movement mortgage for for two years 
they don't affect me. I mean, may, I, maybe they do for the, you know, I, I work for movement because of my direct manager. Mm -hmm. I didn't care about it, anybody else. He was great. I wanted to work for him. Yeah. I don't care about the people who are above him. Yeah. I mean, we had an inspirational CEO there as well, which, which helped, but he's the CEO. He yeah. owns the company, which is great. But like, I don't understand why my manager couldn't report to maybe one other person, like a national sales manager and go right to the, like. I don't know how many loans Movement Mortgage was doing to speak to that. But their operations are so good that you don't need all of those sales managers. Yeah. Because we had access, and it's just like with brokers, that's, you know, obviously movement's very good at that, but mo a lot of retail shops, they don't find that, but like they always talk about how underwriting's in-house. It's like, yeah, but you can't really get a hold yeah, of that, them most of the time. That's the same, it's like uh, saying like uh, we have better products, like cross-country mortgage and caliber have a retail side and they got all the products we got. You know, now the loan officer might not be as well-versed, you know, I think like Finance of America has to kick it over to the commercial side or the reverse side, you know, so that's a different... Plus, they're not making their normal comp on those broker deals either. Yeah. I don't hear that. Like, when I had, when we were, bro when we were to broker one of those deals, we'd make f like 50, 75 bips or something. Yeah. So, if you're <clears> going to do a bunch of, a good amount of those loans, why wouldn't you want to make your full comp on that, which you can as a broker? Yeah. No, I I mean, like I said, as a as a loan officer, like if I was getting into the industry, I'd cut my teeth retail, come over broker, you know, for the training. Right now, yeah, but yeah. I, our training's getting better and better and better. Agree. I mean, you've got the, and you've it's got reps though. You know, and yeah, that's true. Yeah, he, sitting in a call center, being able to talk to five, ten people is invaluable. You know, it's true. It's it's water through. But a you all, we, you also have those models in the broker channel too. You do. So, yeah, they're, I just, they're not seen, as common. Yeah, but. I haven't seen them. And I think that we will start to get more, but you know, that's it's one of the things like it gets really tough in that model because I mean, people do it a lot, but you know, you're spending a lot of money on leads and and all of that kind of stuff, um, which cuts into that you know limited margin that we have. But there's a lot of really really successful mortgage companies out there that do that that direct to consumer model you know the garden state home loans of the world um uh ramon walker's shop out out of uh out of california they they're all you know i'll do a ton of consumer direct there's a lot of those guys i think loan factory there. is probably our closest they are retail i mean they're the large well loan factory yeah he he's he's a broker he's I a monster think, or maybe nondell but like yeah. yeah they do i mean they're all consumer direct they spend money on ads and, and all that and he, and he Focus on technology. <laughs> yeah, monster. Yeah. Uh, um, maybe chose the wrong side. <laughs> but uh, the uh, I just that's that's the one thing. Like, I know pricing, but if we took pricing out of the equation, is there an A, B, C? Because then it just comes down to quality of loan officer. And I've got a lot of friends who work at. Uh, I'm gonna cuss in your ear, and I'm sorry about that. I got a lot of friends who work at Quicken, and. Uh, <laughs> I know they're quality loan officers. So, yeah, you know, I just laugh at them. I'm like, hey, how's that uh eight percent interest rate today? So yeah, and they're not getting. I mean, I, I guess I guess the really good ones make decent money and all yeah. that. But like, you know, I don't know if that's is that a permanent lifestyle you want to have as a loan officer of being that you're. I mean, you're you're a good salesperson, all that, but you're still an order taker. 
I think the I think the question is is if you're a broker and you're not good at planning what's your exit strategy versus if you're let's say Quicken, you know, my buddy's got three, four, five, six layers he can go up. You know, even like yeah. your UWM AEs have a higher trajectory to get potentially out of those sales roles. True. Yeah. Than than we do that, without doing what you've done, which is being out of sales for four years. Yeah, and for a for me, company. yeah, for me, I look at it. At, yeah, you can become like a you can you can get leadership in in the broker channel, or you get you get big enough and all that. You have you have you might have. I mean, I don't see if any reason to have multiple levels and, and all. But yeah, you're right as a broker. But you and can Nexa, still and Nexa and U Mortgage don't have multiple levels. So the and. I, one has well, twelve hundred. I mean, well, Nexa has the you know your the whole the whole you know downline strategy and all that of brilliant. You know, by the way, yeah. uh, the the twelve, but they have twelve hundred loan officers. There's no managers there. The Which the downline cool. strategy. Um, but isn't that shouldn't that be the whole spirit uh, with the downline strategy? Like, I feel like if you're gonna have downline all that, like the people that are in your upline, whatever you call above you, you should have that manager, that manager and non-manager kind of relationship there. Why, why, why should somebody above you make money off of your production if they're not providing value to you? Well, that's the business. I'm going to speak about business here, but it's going to sound like an attack, and I want no. to be sure that it is not an attack. Of course. That's business in general. Like, if you're a non-producing loan officer right now and you've done 400 million your loan officers are essentially paying for you now i know you're giving them superior value and you've just built an os and everything like that yep. so but that's business when you get to a certain point and somebody is no longer generating that revenue so even if you had a processor who you guys had a staff processor on hand that person is sucking up revenue from the of course that is just business and so I think that what Nexa is doing with that recruiting strategy in those in that downline. I don't have a pro and I don't that, have a, I don't have a problem yeah. with that structure at all. I just I believe that if you are in if like if I join Nexa under somebody, I would expect that that person that I was under would provide some kind of value to me cuz he's making money off of me. And the guy who recruited me um, his name was Renato and DJ Christofferson. I think uh, I've known he, I've known DJ yeah. for a fantastic very long time. dudes. Yeah. He did help me. Both That's, of them, both of those guys from a. But you can't tell me the whole company is like that. <laughs> I would hope that it is, though. I th some of the things, and you and I have talked about this. Some of the things that they have done, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're perfect, because no, they're, no they're far is. from far I'm from it. <laughs> However. That LO support system, that's fucking brilliant. And if there's an LO who's struggling not using that LO support, like if I was in charge of AIM and doing AIM, like I'd be like, you want to help brokers? LO support. Yeah, I mean, I've, heard, I've heard great things about it, yeah. but that's why, but like to me, it's like, but what is the value that the person that's above you? That's just your downline, though. But it's sort of like, uh, is it EXP? EXP does a similar thing. Yeah, and I mean, Keller Williams yeah. also does it. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I just think it's a recruiting model to do it, and it's 4% that doesn't affect your paycheck as a loan officer, you, if that if that makes sense. Like, it, do, it doesn't stop me from getting my 
whatever plan I'm on, which I get it, that, but yeah. like, it, well, the, the, we only have we all have the same 275 bips to work yeah. with. Hundred percent. So something's going somewhere that, in that. That twelve percent is off the net. So, and, and I'm gonna give you rough here because I worked there two years ago. So Nexa keeps roughly seventy five bips, and then part of that gets cut up into their operations. Yep. That twelve percent that was getting passed down to three tiers is coming out of Nexa's net profit of that seventy five bips. So it's not. Two thousand, three thousand, four hundred, five hundred dollars alone. It's hundred. My 200. argument is, is that you could then go for a shop that, like, a, like C two. What does C two do? I don't. C2 I'm not familiar like, with their business like, model. They don't have any kind of that downline strategy, but they, I don't. They have, they, they have like, they get like a percentage of the revenue or whatever, and it's a very high clip. Yeah. C two only takes a. So there's always a there is some kind of company out there that's going to have a less of a split and 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 all of that but and every loan officer has a different priorities of what they think is important to them too. Yeah. But for me, my what I believe in is that if somebody is making money off of you, mm-hmm. they should be providing value to you. I would agree. You you should never hire somebody knowing that you're going to make money off of them and not help them. That I would agree. I and don't, as long I, as that's happening, I don't have a problem with it. And I can't because say that everyone's living. doing that. I, I just don't. You know, I, I didn't partake in the revenue sharing. I went in. And, uh, a lot, I, yeah. There's so many great loan officers that work at that company that don't. And I told them you day know? one, like I interviewed Mike. I was like, hey, Mike, I think I got a non-compete. He looked at it said, no, you don't. You got a non-solicit. I was like, cool. And then said, by the way, I'm only going to be here for a year, and then I'm starting my own thing. And and I've heard that yeah. they they definitely somebody from them. UWM told me to join them. That doesn't surprise yeah. me. Yeah, like because UWM was instrumental in me becoming a broker. Yeah, they like, have a fantastic business development team. And so sure. that's sort of I mean that was like everyone connected the dots, but is I I can see why. You know the 1099, like the 1099 W two things and all of that. You know, um, you had mentioned on Facebook you and you and you and Mike had had a had a, a little bit of a a little yeah. You guys were really <laughs> helping the broker channel there. Uh, I guess depends on your perspective on that. <laughs> nope, it was bad. <laughs> uh, guys, did you make housing wire? I did. That that was uh, a good time. Yeah, obviously what, that wasn't really. So what is what is what was it? I I didn't think you're. I didn't think it was terrible. I I think that you know it is what it is. But what what are your what are your thoughts on that? Why? What are your thoughts on bigger brokerages? You know, maybe take out just the next. So let's let's talk even C two. I don't know if you ever if you're in the same if you categorize them as the same. They're a large broker shop. Yep. You know. Yep. What's your thought there? At the end of the day, I believe that the true spirit of being a mortgage broker is the owner operator of the business is local in that community and they're involved in that community and help lift that community up because that is ultimately what we do in the mortgage business is we lift up communities. Yes. So I think that the, I believe in small business. My parents were small businesses or my grandparents, like I said, I believe in small business. And the bigger a business gets, the further it will take you away from working in your community as the owner of the business, operating the business, and all that. 
we've got those large mortgage companies that do that and they've got they've got their market share for that i believe that the mortgage broker is your you know maybe you can get really big in your market like you know philadelphia mortgage workers had like at one point we had 15 bro you're not small you did 400 million (laughs) (laughs) so that was that was the thing for me is that that was the that was for me i got to the point i'm like what am i doing why am i building this large mortgage brokerage i'm like i'm starting to get away from what i believe is the true spirit of being a mortgage broker of of you know being in your community and lifting up your community and all that. And of course the loan officers do that, but I think that I at a certain point you're not a broker anymore if you're if you're you know just a you know you're sitting at the top and you got people all over, you know that you know you're you're the mechanism of you doing a loan and you're still a broker, but it just goes. It make get, gets more unnecessary over time. That's why the whole my my whole knock on on next of the whole downline thing is that, you know, there's no. I know that there. I feel pyramidy. I, I well, I understand that there's no like expectations behind of that that value providing and all that of that you know mentor mentee relationship and all of that. And I hear a lot of feedback of you know, loan officers that work there that feel like they struggle. And they, they, they said that the person that hired them and was, the, you know, that the, they were in their downline or whatever and, like, couldn't get a hold of them. They didn't get the answers, they did, you know, that kind of thing. So it's like, and that's just what I hear. I don't I, I don't know, but that's just, I can only go by no. what that feedback is. I, I, I and, think that's, I, and I worked in LO support for when I was there for, like, six months, you know. And there were loan officers there that I was you know, terrified that they were originating loans. But I also felt that way when I worked in retail too. Some of the people that we hired, I was like, and that should not be doing this and job. That's the biggest challenge in our industry is, and it gives us a bad name at the end of the day, is having people without experience going out there and they are advising people in what is going is the vast majority of people's most important transaction they ever make in their life. Yeah, the the uh, why like you it terrifies me how easy it was for me to I, become a broker. Yeah, and I don't and I don't have a problem. Like we need new blood. We especially younger people. We need more and more younger people in this business. But like you need the training. You yeah, can't, you got to have really good training. And that's why companies like Quicken, UWM, and you know Freedom Mortgage, a lot of those really, really big companies, they're a training organization. Yes. That's what they are first, before anything else. I think that there should be a harder test for you to be a broker owner. Broker I owner. Mean, it relative pen- I mean, you can look at states like Washington State that, you know, has that. They have a specific test that you have to pass to be like the you know, the person responsible for the business and all that. And I don't know whether that, for me, I was never a really great test taker either. And I don't know if that, there should be better, there should be a bigger barrier to entry though, for sure. I agree. I I don't know what that looks like. I never really thought too much about it, but I do agree that with such a critical role of of what being a loan officer is, like, you should definitely there should be some definitely some requirements behind that to make sure that um and i think that consumers are going to be taken care of and and all that 
I think that's somebody like C2, Nexa. Is, I don't know if you... Well, I don't think C2 hires any brand new people. Okay. They only hire... Season. They'll, they'll hire season people and all that. And, you know, the people, I guess, that work already, if they want to hire new people, they can. You know Unless I mean? they have but, a a volume requirement that shows that people actually want to do business with them. Cause I think that's the, the mark of a good loan officer. Like you can tell is like when 25 million, you know, I would argue is pro I think there are bad loan officers who do 15 million. I think at 25 million, you have to be ducks in a row or you have really good operations yes. in place. And so that might make up for your shortcomings. You know? Yeah. hundred percent. And that's where it's like, when you grow to a company that big, you're no longer going to have five stars on Google. You no. know, you're, you're not, you're just, it's just and not that's, possible. That's terrifying to me. At, me as well, because reputation is everything. And they're saying they're brokers. And I mean, I've had, I've had to tell real estate agents why they should trust me as a broker. I mean, I would argue that more than being a VA. Like, and if I didn't have good realtor partners, I was like, Hey, just call this real estate agent. She'll vouch for me you know, or he'll vouch for me. If I didn't have people who are willing to vouch for me. Yeah, you're going, you're resorting to reviews, but even review, like it's still, and you can't, you only know what is being told to you. Mm -hmm. Imagine like people that say, you know, and you get a realtor that gives, you know, the a lot of realtors give the three cards, the three card method. People are going to probably Google you before they even call you. So there's phone calls you probably don't even get. Have you ever had a um, loan go south and then the AE say, hey, no, I'll call the real estate agent on this. This is our fault. Has that ever happened to you? I don't think so. Okay. It's happened to me and the AE's offered. I'm like, do not call. This is my job. I'll, I'll handle this. I'll talk to him. I'll let him know what, what's gone wrong here. Yeah, and, that's... and in my head, I was like, but how many other people are they making these phone calls for? And now they're no longer blaming that individual loan officer, they're blaming brokers and the partner that we're partnering with. Yeah, you. We all make mistakes, and you got to be accountable to those mistakes. You can't throw your. You can't. You can't expect somebody else to, whether it's the lender's fault or not. Yeah. Like most, well, it's not. Most we're a of, team. And most of the problems are that happen in a mortgage transaction can be caught. Yes. By a mortgage originator before it becomes a problem. In it's some cases, there's of, some serious growing pains and or laying people off and files were not underwritten correctly up front, you know, so. Yeah, you got to, I mean, it, yeah, they're, we all know that we don't have to dive into too much yeah, details on so, that, of course. But, yeah, but um, so it is It is what it is, but that that when, when they're offering that, it's like, yeah, no, I appreciate you, but no, and please don't ever offer anyone else that because it goes back to what we're talking about, which is my biggest concern is, quality of loan officer quality of broker shop yeah and if an ae is calling a agent or client on your behalf then they can't even do anything then yeah, well then it just turns us basically into retail lenders mm -hmm. at the end of the day because like you've got and it makes us look like we don't we aren't the ones who have any control because that's like the biggest argument against being a broker yeah. is that you don't have control which is in you know no, was, for those of us that are brokers brokers channel know that that's the farthest thing from the, <laughs> from the truth we have more control but like if you're having somebody else do the you know 
swallow the frog kind of moments for you. It's like, no. so do you have a babysitter? <laughs> that's kind of the way I look at it. So yeah, no, that's, that's why we're brokers. We're the ones that deal with the consumers. Yeah. So the wholesale lender doesn't have to. I, I agree. It just, it shocked me when it happened. That is shocking. I've have heard of that happening here and there. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it is what it is. It, it didn't end up being that big of a deal, but you know, you still got to have those conversations and, uh, I just remember thinking, like, somebody actually called me from, a student called me last week and asked me what I thought the biggest issue was for brokers. And I was like, I think compliance-wise that we allow people who shouldn't be loan officers to be loan officers. And and brokers who shouldn't be managed to. Because I do think I agree with you on one aspect, which is small shop brokerages over big shop brokerages. I don't necessarily know that I would ever fault somebody for being that because I aspire to want to be a big shop myself but there is an element of at what point in time do you flip the switch and you're no longer a broker do do you flip non-delegated and I obviously if I had 1200 people I'd be non-delegated all day it just doesn't make sense so yeah I don't yeah it, I guess it depends on what your business model is and what your goals are and what whether that makes sense to take that next step um and really non-del is supposed to be a stepping stone to being a full delegate yes. it's not intended the whole design of that isn't intended to, for you to be a permanent non-delegated correspondent i think that somebody cfpb or they did put out they didn't say that it, like a warning shot or something it was a warning shot they didn't say that like they did say in there that that is ideally what it is meant to be Mm-hmm. It's a stepping stone for you to get, because you know you got to get the, you got to get your full legal to be able to underwrite for FHA loans. All like it, that, all that stuff takes time. And you got to get your you know, paper you up too. Look, look at, I mean, even just look at somebody like Glenn Stearns. He yeah. just started Kind Lending a couple of years ago. He originally went under Broker Solutions, which is New American Funding. Mm-hmm. To th- that's how he spun up that company. That Quickie under, system is dope, and, by the way. Is it? I've, new, I've heard. I've it's, heard good things. It's they. They do quality work. Awesome. So they, as with any company, they're not without their their tweaks. But once you learn that system, that the way they generate their CD is that's awesome. I would argue, from an uh, you know TPO system, UWM Quickie. Wow. Yeah. And I like and for me, Home Point for gets fifty percent of my loans, so <laughs> that's. <laughs> and they they have one of the worst portals. <laughs> they just make up for it in a lot of other ways, yeah. obviously. So, but that and where Kind falls short on the wholesale side is their, um, they, uh, pricing is just off. Uh, so yeah, it is what it is. Happening a lot in this market, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, but Home Point and UWM seem to always be at the top for me. You know, um, uh, that just always, I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, if they can do it, why can't others? Yeah. And we're, it's, it's definitely a challenge. Like I never did me, a Mara save before they pulled out, by the way, I heard we, theirs was special. We did. It was awesome. Um, and I hope that that platform comes back in and with a, with another, uh, lender. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a challenge. Like, and for me, as a broker owner, like I don't believe in the, you know, sign up with a hundred lenders. I don't either. We're I, only signed up with about a dozen and like, I'm very resistant to adding new ones. Um, because I want to be able to build tight relationships with all the lenders that we work with. And the more lenders you have, 
the left and, and loan officers are going to be tempted to chase the price always but that doesn't always result in that great service uh, so it's always weighing that uh, you know adding new lenders getting those new options in there for for the loan officers without saturating it um, so I know that there are a few more lenders that I want to sign and up with, but I, I'm careful about that. It's hard though Plus because dealing with all those broker packages is such a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then re- and then you got renewals every year, and Comergence is like the worst system in the world. It's a little that that entire renewal process is a little. I know they have to do it for compliance, but it feels like the most backwards things we do. Agreed. I, and I don't want to get myself in trouble but it, but it can by be talking about it. But it can get easy, be easy. Like PRMG just switched over to uh, Salesforce's uh, renewal thing, and that's what Amerisafe was using for their sign-up as well. It's literally everything's built in DocuSign, integrated into the into their into that platform, and you just upload a few docs, and boom, you're done. Like you got Comergence where you got to fill out all of your business details, all of that, and then you get the lender, you answer all those questions, then it takes you to the document section, then you got to download the document, fill it out by hand or in Adobe Acrobat, sign it, and then re-upload it, and like all, it's so cumbersome. It doesn't need to be that way. No, it's, it's 2022, guys. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> and. I don't know if you know this, but you are actually, UWM does this thing where a broker calls you. It's either UWM or AIM. And you called me when I was working at at a retail store and talked to me about why I should be a broker. Did I? I, You did. Yeah. It was maybe a 10-minute conversation tops. Really? Yeah. So. Well, it's been a while now, though, right? uh, (laughs) Three years, maybe more. And said why and how you do it and then moved on and you got any more questions i was like i don't think so like, all right good luck <laughs> and that was the end of the conversation yeah and i'm always here you know, you know obviously you do a lot for the broker community so when I you try. say things like um you think that it should be small you know i know you're on the ames ethics committee you know no i'm on the partnerships committee partnerships committee yep. okay yep i think that that is important because I, I know you care. If you're out here and running I, two businesses... Don't get, me, don't get me wrong. I don't have any hate for people that want to build a really large broker shop. Like It's different. Great. Go but you're not it. a broker. But And, and it, it's not there's not a right or wrong way to do it in my... I just think that... like I do not want to see a world where the broker channel is just a bunch of really large shops. I don't want that little that that one that solo maybe up to three person shop. I don't ever want them to feel inferior. Yeah, I mean that and is. I feel like that in some ways that's the direction we've been heading in with these really recruiting focused organizations. Um, that. How do you know when you're ready to be a broker though, versus like own and operate? Own, not staying in retail. Oh, you mean between even even joining like a, a a company like your own, right? So how do you know? Like, how would I know if I was n- not newer but seasoned enough, and I I, I want to make the broker money or make the switch I, to being a broker, but I'm not necessarily so like an owner. Side. You mean yeah. from yeah? So from I think it's more of a philosophical uh, hit me decision than anything else. Do you want to be a business owner or not? Yeah, it's really that simple. Like, do you have that desire to create a brand that is not that is not you as an individual, like a, a brand that transcends you? 
Yeah. Do you want to build that? Do you want to build a team? Do you want, like, there's a lot of people that have no desire to do that, but then it's really just what you want. Or if you want to build that solo shop on your own, like, is that important to you? Or do you want to have people around you? Like, that's like, I think it's a personal decision. I don't think that there's any right or wrong. Like, yeah. you know, I do have, there was one really pretty high producing uh, guy that came, um, he was worked for, he was a uh, LO for an actual uh, depository bank. Mm -hmm. And he went straight to the broker channel from there. And he was deciding between joining uh, Epic Lending or starting his own shop. Uh, I, you know, I laid it all out to him, pros and cons, all of that. And he wound up uh, deciding he was just going to open up his own shop because he does have that desire to create his own brand yeah. and all that. But he did say, as someone who was not already a broker, he was like, eh, you probably should have forced me <laughs> to come work for you for the first like six months or so just to figure out how to be a broker and, and all that things are just a little different the, um, the training wheels you know off. exactly that was yeah. so just the nmls part i didn't realize how much my old company did for me on the nmls yeah, side of website's things terrible i they, no it's clue another one of those like very poorly I'm such a freak with user experience mm -hmm. uh, and, and design behind that. Their 800 that number is great. You, yeah, that's what makes up for it. And that's ultimately what it still just makes things more expensive, <laughs> though, because, like, they've got to have some massive staff to be able to handle, you know, oh, the million or so people. Terrible. And think that NMLS isn't just the mortgage industry. That's handling, like, you know, 15 different types of businesses. Really? Yeah, like if you're a uh, consumer, if you do consumer loans, uh, ATM operators, I think, are in there, uh, payday loan type, thing, like all of those different types of business. You can look in there and it'll tell you all the different types of uh, hmm. businesses that it I, supports. I did see like uh, the collection agencies and stuff yes, in there. Them too. You, you it know? really just depends on the state. Like some yeah. states have like a real laundry list of different companies. Some are different types of businesses. Others just really only do mortgage in there. It really just, it just depends on, on the state. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the NMLS staff must be massive just because they have to because their systems are so bad. And that's the way a lot of these mortgage lenders are too. They're using shitty, like they're in the Ellie Mae Encompass tech stack. The what? only way that you can compensate for that shitty system is to hire a bunch of bodies to be able to operate it, and then you've got all the training resources involved, the teaching people how to use and all. You can build software that just makes sense, like Arrive. You just gotta invest in user experience like and design. Epic, like, like Epic Lin OS. <laughs> oh, that's the goal with it, like, yep. Like Epic OS. <laughs> Quit plugging Arrive. The problem is, is that, the problem is, is that, you've hey. Been, you've been plugging Arrive for three or four I years know, now. I know, <laughs> I see my thing is that I like, I, I, I don't like, I, my struggle is like talking about myself and promoting my own things. I'm not, I'm not very good at that. <laughs> Dude, you're killing it. Yeah, I, I, I like you more after this meeting. I. I so, and I really appreciate your time. And I think what you're saying is there's some validity to it. You know, I think as an industry, we have to figure that out. And I think, you know, like the backpack, I think is going to help us For figure sure. that out. Yeah. I think it's, it's really all about just being inclusive of no matter, no matter what your goals are and somebody that is that anywhere from that one man shop all the way up to the like 
nobody should ever be frowned upon because they don't produce quite as much or they don't have this number of employees, that kind of thing. Like at the end of the day, the only thing that's important in our industry, it's one thing, it's the consumer. Yes. And serving that consumer. A hundred percent. You have to stop thinking about everything, every decision you make every day and everything you do in this business, how can I serve that consumer better and provide a better experience for that consumer? That is what we should be focused on more than anything. How can we deliver a better experience to that consumer? Because we are still terrible at it as an industry if you look at it as, as a whole. You've got fantastic all the way to terrible. Yes. Well, that's what is my. I know there's a lot of M- MLOs out there. Yep. It's just, so it's it all, is what it is. For me, it's all about that whole, you know, it, it, it's like the, the, I think it's UWM and Origins that they like get, get better every day. Like, try and and that's what i love about aim is that it allowed all of us to connect with each other and lift all of each other up because had it not been for aim you and i wouldn't be talking right now probably oh that's fair we we would just be looking at each other as competitors and and not not helping oh we wouldn't even be facebook friends (laughs) probably not no but like we all make each other better by you single-handedly changed our business i did with your advocating for a ride i wouldn't have tried it 100 percent wasn't going to give them another shot and christian uh wouldn't you agree the difference between broker and compass and arrive has made everyone on the team's life better christian uh was our uh upfront process oh nice nice processor before he yeah. went into full-time and marketing. compass sucked it was like uh windows <laughs> it was 10, so bad much. it was so bad and, and then you guys were like do arrive do arrive and so i still had six months left of encompass on my contract and i was like everyone keeps pounding this drum i'll give them another shot and i did and i think what within two weeks we were like hey move all the files over to arrive we're yeah. done with encompass i'll just pay i'll finish the contract <laughs> spend the money and yeah i hear that happen a lot so and they actually let me out early on my contract. But oh, that's nice. Yeah, so I got lucky there. That is, uh, I, I do, and that, yeah, because I, you know, Epic OS will never have contracts and all that. I don't believe in contracts. I, I understand where software companies come from of having contracts. Like, sometimes it does involve a lot of, you know, but, like, Encompass, though, like, they don't give you support. you got to go out and hire professional services. No, so you have to go out and hire professional services to build out Encompass. Yeah. But if you have five seats or more, which we did, you got their 800 number and their and their technology. So they did give you some yeah. some 100%. Support. They had support. Where they fell short was is all the features that make Encompass great, they took away from brokers because we didn't need them. So, like, um, and Arrive is about to come out with this, uh, he said, in two weeks. But, like, conditions and hiding conditions and then the new needs list type feel. Yep. They had that in Encompass, but not for brokers. Uh, it was very annoying. Um, you know, and then, like, uh, porting over to TPO portals, like, you know, HomePoint updating my file for me live is very, very nice. I wish UWM would fix that. Please fix it. <laughs> There's no way anyone of any importance is listening to that, but please fix it. <laughs> hey, you never know. So, <laughs> <Little> uh, shoemaker, <laughs> who, whoever. 
So that's, uh, but yeah, no, I mean that you're absolutely right. AIM did that. AIM, I mean, you advocating for that and, and saying this is what you're doing. And I got on MMI and I looked you up and I was like, man, this dude crushes. I, maybe I should listen to him. <laughs> I guess so. it depends on who you, uh, who's looking at my MMI. Some people look at it and say, oh, you don't have the authority to talk about anything. <laughs> uh, he's talking about you, Mike Cordes. <laughs> uh, no, I'm t- I, I think uh, everybody has value, yes, and that is not attached to your production. I think that you guys have. There are things that, that everyone does that, that I, somebody is good at. Everybody's good at something, yes, and they have value to bring, and um, that should be recognized. Frowning on people for lower production is like I, I it's shameful. Is the way I look at it. Unless you're trying to like, you know, the, the where it gets trouble is like recruiting and talking about how great a company is and how you know all the support. And you look up their MMI and then you see they do two deals. It's like, well, what exactly are you doing? It's a, that gets real uh, estate like, in general, though. Are are not just mortgages. We peacock. <laughs> you you don't have MMI in front of you. I do fifty million a year. That's, that's, you know. I call it mortgage math. <laughs> you know, so when sometimes sometimes people talk to me like, uh, you know, and I'm listening to podcasts and, and and they sound great, and I'm like, man, I, that's a really great idea. And then I go look up production, and I'm like, but it might not. Got make me. Their, it, it doesn't it, doesn't it, limit it might, the idea, but yeah, it, the it idea, does. Yeah. It does. It does make it. I want to look look forward your five closest friends type thing. You know, and yep. so the loan officers that I want to surround myself with, I want to be doing $25, 50 million dollars. Of, of course, you know. Yeah, and you don't want to. You know, the people who are are, you know, people you're not aspiring to be. You know, obviously you don't want to be around them all the time, but they still do have good ideas. Yes. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great ideas from people who are new. I mean, this was Christian's idea, and he couldn't save, sell a loan to save his life. So, hey, I got so. one closing Friday. Nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah. So, uh, it's uh, unfortunate. I loans. <sighs> he's he's a good salesman. He just doesn't <laughs> like it. He's a lot like you. I mean, wouldn't you agree? You don't like selling loans that much. You yeah, just I mean, do it because you help people? Exactly, yeah. Like to help friends and family. Don't like cold calling. Uh, I can I can relate yeah. for sure. Which <laughs> is, so, you know, so he's sort of, when he stepped into this marketing role, I was like, well, I don't have to, like the guy before him, we would have had to have taught him all the mortgage stuff and yeah. language. And now the only thing we have to teach him is how to use technology and take pictures and lighting. And, and the beautiful thing about marketing is that you really – Depending on what you do in marketing, you don't even need to talk to anybody. Right. You just got to be, you know, it, a lot of times it's creative kind of stuff or, you know, you're good at writing. You know, that that's what I'm, you know, I, yeah. I, I feel like I'm a really good writer. Like, you're not going to see much videos of me out there of just talking into a camera um, because it doesn't feel natural to me. I don't feel like I'm, I'm good at these, like, one-on-one kind of things. Um, Killing so, it, by the way. But, you should feel. You should do more. <laughs> Thank you. But I'm. I feel like I am much better at collecting my thoughts and and uh, articulating it through writing, um, more so than um, 
you know, speaking, I feel like my brain gets like jumbled a lot. I got to think I'm not a, I'm not a uh, witty person. Like I, I, I'm not, or like really quick. At, I gotta, I gotta think about things and stew on it and all that before, before I come out with my thoughts. So it's um, usually how people from Pennsylvania are. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Eagles fan. Remember I'm a Jersey boy. Yes, I am an Eagles fan. I'm from Southern New Jersey. So I'm an Eagles fan. Yeah. So super Fair. unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, good yeah. year for you guys though. Very good year yeah. so far. Hey, we have had we did win the Super Bowl within the last uh, five years. So we have not. We have not. Yeah. We can't. We can't even keep a quarterback. We got Nick Foles though. So uh, there you go. Um, I mean, he, that's that's he did, <laughs> he, uh, he did win a Super Bowl for us. Yeah, I know. It, as a very mediocre quarterback, but he was very good at the very right time. Yeah. Which all that matters. Yeah. So big football fan. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a big. I'm an Eagles fan. Okay. I wouldn't say I'm a football fan. <laughs> okay. I'm just yeah. I'm a Philadelphia sports fan. All sure. right. That's yeah. good. Probably good to have considering you own Philadelphia mortgage brokers. Yeah. <laughs> should, pro- should probably like their teams. I am a big fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That's um, the best show. How can you not be quick witted when? A classic, American classic, came straight from Philadelphia. I just really enjoy that stuff. Like, Curb Your Enthusiasm, too, is another one of my, like, favorite. Is uh, he from Philadelphia? No, but just another comedy, like, quick, like, you know. He's from New York. I think Larry David's from New York. Okay. Um, Which is very, as much as we don't like to admit it, New York's pretty similar to uh, at least our personalities and, and, uh, you know. We're we're brash and. I'm pretty sure Seinfeld is based off of Larry David's life. It kind of is. Yeah. yeah. Really? So, yeah. yeah. He just didn't. He just didn't act in that one. Whereas in Curb Your Enthusiasm, he did. Um, yeah. And Curb Your Enthusiasm is a fictionalized version of him. He said. I think he said that it would be him if he didn't have any social constraints. That's yeah. how. Because yeah. that, that's how he thinks. That's how we should treat this from now on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I could. No social constraints, and then I can say whatever I really want. Yeah, to say. whatever literally comes into your mind, you just spit it out. And my team filters sound, about ninety. Sound, they're like, ah, eh, we yeah. probably shouldn't say that, sounds, Jimmy. Yeah, it sounds dangerous. So, <laughs> it's uh, they, they definitely keep me on. There, there would be no way. There, I would go the opposite way. It'd be like a more offensive version of Andrew Schultz. <laughs> so, hey, I mean, like if like. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, and even sometimes in Curb, like it's really cringy stuff that they say. Like yeah. it's like, wow, <laughs> like you actually, how did you even, how could you even get that on TV? <laughs> but, yeah, the it's always sunny in Philadelphia is probably in my top five TV shows. Oh, it's so good, it's so good. I I fell behind though. I haven't watched the last couple seasons. I think I stopped at around eleven or twelve. I think is most recent one I've. Scene. I would have said but it's that. Funny, I've, like, I've fallen behind with all television, so I'm right there with you. Yeah, and it's funny though. Like little things will pop up. Like I, so I live on um, across the. So there's a river that splits Philadelphia called the Schuylkill River, um, and I live on the other side of the Schuylkill from Center City. But my office is in Center City, so I'll walk over the the one of the bridges to uh, get to my office or go home. And the you know the the episode where uh, Danny D- Frank is uh, captaining the boat, like the boat tour, down down the, down the river. Yeah, and <laughs> those boats are real. They actually go down the river, and I just I'm like, oh, I gotta watch this episode again because <laughs> there's just, they do actually pull from like 
they film it in mostly in LA. Yeah. Um, but they do actually a lot of it in there is like Philadelphia theme. And um, I don't know stuff. if it's still the case, but I the 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 main actors, the main four, uh, do the writing as well, and they were friends before. Yes. So sort of like workaholics. It was created by Rob Rob McElhenney, uh, who plays. Um, oh no, this is embarrassing. Who I can't. Um, can't even think of his name right now. I'm, my brain's Young right Jamie? Now. No, the... I don't know. I haven't watched much of... That's always okay. funny. Mac. Mac is... Uh, is, is Rob Ackelhoney is the actor. He's from Philadelphia. Okay. And then Rob married Caitlin Olsen, who plays D. <laughs> so they're... they're Yeah, they're they're married now. And I think they, they obviously all live in L.A. But Rob's from Philly, and that's where they um, came up with... And I just learned this, that, that that pilot was filmed for, like... It was under $500. Wow. Oh, that's impressive. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah, it was Paul, my business partner, who just told me that at Philadelphia Mortgage Brokers. I was like, "Really? That's that's wild." But if you they they literally like filmed it on camcorders, <laughs> and back then, like these these were as cheap as we could get to. <laughs> this camcorders are expensive. Yeah. Like the yeah, the I mean, next level are, up is like six thousand dollars. So yeah. I mean, you you did not have, they didn't have access to those kind of cameras Uh, back then. Oh, that's true. I think they did like the, you know, or maybe one of those like, you know, really big ones that you (laughs) get. 